Welcome back to the Weekly Rundown with Atlas. The official podcast by Monash International Affairs Society. We are your hosts, Shania and Phoebe Anka. Hey everyone. So if you're wondering why Shania and I were kind of MIA last week with the Weekly Rundown, <laughs> it is because Shania has moved to England. I temporarily. have. <laughs> It's been a very foggy few days of like jet lag and settling in. Yes. Um, I believe you're currently on exchange. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. So I'm on exchange at the University of Warwick, which I'm hoping will be a really great experience. I'm sure it will. Like I said, uh, I think many like many times that we we now have like a global correspondent. <laughs> so this is Shania tuning in from England. <laughs> And I'm still in Melbourne. <laughs> but yeah, so there was a lot of interesting things that's been mm-hmm. happening around the world, Shania, um, and anyone who's listening. Um, I definitely heard about what's been happening in Iran. Very, very sad. But um, mm-hmm. I'll leave that for you to debrief yeah. us on. Yeah, yeah. So I have been seeing this all over social media. Like it's been all over my yeah. Instagram free feed, TikTok, everything. Mm-hmm. So Masa Amini, a 22-year-old girl, was brutally murdered last week for being accused of breaking Iran's dress code. A lot of you might not even know, but Iran has a dress code. So let me yeah. go into that for a bit first. There's mm-hmm. a law in Iran that basically requires women to wear headscarves over their hair in a way that completely covers their hair when in public. And it also requires them to dress in a much more modest way. A group of security officials known as the morality police make sure that women are following the dress code. And Amini had a little bit of her hair showing and she was beaten senseless and later died, which is so that, tragic to hear. I- I don't, I just don't understand. So mm-hmm. this isn't even like, cause like Iran is like a Muslim country. Is it like, is this like a religious type of aspect or is mm-hmm. it really just a dress code? Because that's crazy, I feel. It is. So obviously it comes from the religious aspect, but they've enforced a dress code, which then takes away, it takes away women's choice. You know, I feel like it yes. should be a choice. There's nothing wrong with wearing a hijab. It's just no, that you yeah. should ha- you should choose to do so. Exactly, exactly. So, but like, what actually happened? Like, wh- what was the rundown? Because I just it's just incomprehensible that just a bit of hair was showing, mm-hmm. and then the next few minutes she passed away. Yeah. So she was arrested by the morality police on the thirteenth of September in Tehran, and she collapsed at a police station and died three days later. However, the police deny Amini was mistreated and say she had a heart attack and died, even though her family say she had no history of heart trouble and that they were even prevented from um, seeing her body before she was buried, which I guess adds that little bit of suspicion. Like if it was just a heart attack, why couldn't they see her body before she was buried? Of course. Oh my gosh. But what's Um, worse is this is not the first time this has happened. And I don't think it would be, it would have been the last time either. And since then, thousands have begun to protest against the morality police in the largest protests the country have seen in a long time. These protests have engulfed the country and prompted confrontations as security forces have sought to suppress them. At least 76 protesters have already been killed um, during the 11 days of unrest the country has faced. Women have burnt their veils in protest, with some even cutting their hair in public. It was also said earlier this week that access to the internet had been cut in the Kurdistan province. 
a move which would hinder videos and images being shared from the region as protests unfold, which can be seen as a tactic used by the region to limit communication, mobility amongst protesters and limit their efforts to incite change. So I think it is important that we also note that this doesn't give people in other countries permission to torment the wearing of the hijab or those that choose to do so, like we mentioned earlier. The choice to wear it is a right that should be respected, but in Iran right now, there is no choice. Freedom no choice. or bodily autonomy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Women mm-hmm. are forced to wear the hijab in a specific way and are punished severely if they don't do so. In terms of the future, a senior fellow at the McDonnell Laurier Institute said that the only way these women and girls in Iran can be free of this indiscriminate violence, humiliation, and everyday fear of a totalitarian regime is to be rid of that regime. He continued Mm. and said that speaking out like this is definitely better than not doing so. But the foreign policies of democratic states and the United Nations has to be that Mm. this is a regime that should not exist. So long as it does, there really is no prospect for women's rights inside Iran. No, No, exactly. Mm. And Shania, like, I just feel that it is truly saddening you know, because mm-hmm. we are really in the 21st century, yeah. women's rights have been advocated and to see that a country can literally restrict a woman's choice to wear whatever they want is just, it's its really terrifying. Mm-hmm. And women should, like, no lives should be lost yeah, just because of clothing. Exactly. Um, whether or not it's to wear a hijab or not wear a hijab, it's mm-hmm. just, like you said, there's no choice. And that is what's truly frightening. Yeah. Right. And in terms of, I guess, what we can do going forward, it's really hard in this kind of situation because unfortunately this isn't an issue where donating or signing a petition will help ease or resolve domestic Mm. tensions in the country. Mm -hmm. But we can listen, be an ally, raise awareness and stand up for women across the world who may not have the power to do so themselves. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Oh, Like, you know, when you were bringing up this topic, it just made me think about... um, the recent uh, 77th session of yeah. the UN General Assembly that mm. was also brought up, um, I think, by another country during the address. But yeah, yeah, I think this is a good segue into what I'm about to um, debrief you guys on. Yeah. So yeah, like for the first time in three years, world leaders, they've had gathered in person in New York for the 77th session of the United Nations General Assembly. And this is under a very special theme. They quote, a watershed moment, transformative solutions to interlocking challenges. So I feel like this is a, like the theme is trying to like get countries to really address um, and come together um, mm-hmm. for solutions that is currently quite literally breaking the world right now. Yeah. Um, yeah, the, so there's been general debates that's been ongoing since um, the 20th and mm-hmm. I believe it's going to finish up actually today the 28th of September um yeah so like I mentioned the theme just stems from like the recognition that the world is at a critical moment Mm -hmm. in history and the UN like due to its complex and interconnected crisis um Mm. including the COVID-19 pandemic the war in Ukraine humanitarian challenges um and like the tipping point in climate change like Mm -hmm. it is just really the time for everyone all 193 member states to come together and to really I guess to figure out solutions yeah definitely and I like I definitely agree with that it really is just an explosion of 
crises and events going on right now and it's crazy the time we are in exactly so I guess I'm I'm just going to quickly um give off like a few mm-hmm. uh, key moments that has happened yeah. during this um 77th session mm-hmm. so yeah it was jam-packed um I think I believe almost 193 member states um had addressed the mm-hmm. GA um the key issues were of like world peace climate change and of course the effects of the Russia-Ukraine war that had mm-hmm. had on the world um, I'll start off with Solomon Islands because, um, as you guys may have known, we had um, an episode uh, this year regarding its relationship with China mm-hmm. um, after both sides signed the security agreement. Um, so in this GA session, the prime minister of the Solomon Islands, he pretty much like complained that his country had been subjected to a quote unquote, a barrage of unwarranted and misplaced criticisms, misinformation mm-hmm. and intimidation. Um, since they have formalized their diplomatic relations with China in 2019. Mm-hmm. He's pretty much saying that the Solomon Islands have been like unfairly targeted, mm-hmm. um, vilified in, like, in the media. Um, and he said that this type of treatment has threatened their democracy and sovereignty. Um, Mr. Sogarbe, right, which is the um, prime minister of the Solomon Islands, uh, continued to say that they have instead adopted a friends to all and enemies to none foreign policy. Mm-hmm. In implementing policy, we will not align ourselves with any external powers or security architecture that targets our or any other sovereign country, um, and they will not be co- and they will not be coerced into choosing sides. So interesting. Like, yeah, it is very interesting because what they're trying to say is that like they're a very small country; they're just mm-hmm. a little bunch of islands, and their yeah. struggle is to develop their country so honestly they'll stretch out their hand to any mm-hmm. type of friendship and they will yeah. genuinely see um, honest cooperation and partnership with all so yeah. they don't want to choose sides and I exactly. guess the media has really put them under a lot of scrutiny which yeah. they do not appreciate yeah um, and it's good that yeah. we, can, we can see this being spoken out as well exactly exactly um, I think it's nice that yeah, there's definitely a platform that mm-hmm. all countries gets to speak on every year. Yeah. But yeah, the next one was, of course, um, the most heated issue, which is the Russia-Ukraine war. Yeah. Multiple countries have spoken out on the dire effects the war had caused, um, especially the neighboring countries around. Um, I don't know if you guys listening have actually know the very depressing statistics that has um, succumbed from the war. Over 12 million Ukrainians uh, one quarter of their population, by the way, have fled their homes and over 8 million refugees are displaced. And they say that this has caused Europe's largest refugee crisis since the Second World War. Mm-hmm. So that should put into perspective yeah. for you guys. Vast majority of the refugees um, that initially entered the neighboring countries. So that includes like Poland, Slovakia, Hungary, Romania, Moldova. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, Romania did address um, the GA, um, saying that since the beginning of the conflict, 2.3 million Ukrainians has sought refuge in the country, um, and he's saying that they have provided emergency assistance um, for both medium and long term, mm-hmm. but like of course this will also take a toll on their own economy, right? Of course. So um, they have to provide the refugees access to education health services mm-hmm. um the labor market yeah so romania home they continue to say that we know that our response especially to this war will shape our common future um adding that it was essential to stay united and bring everyone on board including those who are still hesitating 
um, mm -hmm. hinting at um, Russia and China, who um, obviously did not support yeah. um, Ukraine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and um, another interesting insight was from Finland's prime minister. He stated that there was ripple effects of the Russian Federation's brutal war in Ukraine, mm -hmm. um, compounding pre-existing problems faced by the international community. So yeah. I like the way he put it. It was uh, very succinct. He yeah. said it was a triple crisis, a triple crisis of energy, food, security, and finance. Um, and it's especially heavily impacting vulnerable countries who are already suffering the most from the climate crisis and the pandemic, which mm -hmm. we all know about because when we spoke about it, about Pakistan. Yeah. Yeah. Like with their floods. So mm -hmm. definitely a lot of countries are taking a huge hit from this war um, in multiple ways. And yeah, that is just the main theme um, during this GA session. Mm -hmm. On one hand, it is very depressing yeah. to hear all about this and to really be like faced with the facts of like, mm -hmm. hey guys, this is what's happening. And um, but I guess on the other hand, there is a lot of call to action. Yeah. So there are countries reaching out, helping out each other, mm -hmm. but um which I think like is exactly said, what we need during this time as well. Exactly. And but uh like we also say it's just a matter of time to see what will happen and I guess all we can really hope for is peace. Exactly. And I guess it's also important to kind of like understand that in this situation, it's going to be really hard for countries to get out of the problems they're facing on their own, which is really good yeah. that they're willing to help each other as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. But um, that's all we have time for today, I think. Yeah, that um, is definitely um, a lot for you guys to think about and reflect on. So we hope you guys have a great rest of your week. And we'll see yeah. you in next week's episode of the Weekly Rundown. Thank you, guys.